This is Speak Riot. My name is Anthony, and I'm going to be running this podcast. Um, this is something new for me. Um, I recently created this podcast in an uh, effort to kind of start documenting some of the stuff that's going on. Um, I love politics. I love the culture. I love all the issues that are going on because it, it brings up so much conversation, and, and it really sparks new ideas. Um, but something I've noticed that is very common in mainstream media and, and even some podcasts is there's just so much that's being missed um, whether it's because of political correctness or because there's an agenda, um, you know, I will be up front. You know, I am a right winger. Um, I'm very far to the right, actually, if you know me. Um, but something I always try to be fair on and something I learned very young into my dive into politics is that just because you are on the right or like the left side of the aisle, it doesn't mean that you can't call out your own side if they're wrong. Um and we see this a lot, you know, as Republicans, you know, you see it with Fox News, uh, Sean Hannity, to be specific. And, and he'll just love Trump and praise Trump. But even when Trump messes up, which he does mess up, I mean, it is with this. We all know Trump's not exactly the most polite guy. Um, he will defend him to the death. And that's not the, the part of news, you know. So I think podcasts are a great opportunity for people to put their own opinions out there. Um, half the time you hear people in the media, you laugh at them. You're like, what are you talking about, guy? You know they're wrong. You know that what they're saying is just blatantly uh, biased. Um, if you're a, a left-winger listening to my podcast, I mean, I'd be surprised for one, but but B, you know, there is good information here. Um, MSNBC is a prime example of this. Um, we see right now that Mike Bloomberg is essentially spending you know, billions of dollars to get into this election. Um, he's already said that he's willing to spend, you know, up to $2 billion, if not over $2 billion, to become the frontrunner and, and the Democratic nominee. And MSNBC, who does not like Bernie Sanders whatsoever, has already gone out of their way to just absolutely destroy Bernie and attack Bernie. And I'm not a Bernie Sanders fan. You know, I'm, I'll be upfront with that. I think his ideas are bad. I think socialism doesn't work for a reason. Uh, this this company was built on capitalism. Uh, is there crony capitalism? Of course, you know. But there's no system in the world where humans run it where there's not some cronyism going on. You look at here in California, right? We have, you know, some of the highest tax rates. Um, our education, I think, is like 45 or 50 percent of our of our of our tax goes towards education, and yet we have in the bottom 10 in the nation for education. There's something wrong there. Um, it's a lot of cronyism. A lot of these local administration uh, administrators, they make, you know, 120, $130,000. Meanwhile, our teachers are struggling to eat, you know, and that's not because of Republican or Democrat. It's just human nature, right? Human nature is to go over on people and, and to try to make money. But that's neither here nor there. The issue right now is that the DNC is doing whatever they can to push out Bernie Sanders and they're using the mainstream media to help them. You know, keep in mind, Mike Bloomberg is very rich. I mean, this man will probably spend more in this election than Trump's net worth. Um, Mike Bloomberg is extremely powerful, uh, New Yorker. And the thing that's unique, and one of the reasons why I think Mike Bloomberg actually has a good chance of beating Trump in this election, is that he can fight at Trump's level. Um, do I think he's the best candidate for the DNC? I don't think he represents the DNC. You know, he's racist. Um, you know, you, you, anything that you say about Trump in terms of like racism or sexism or, you know, was it tra transphobic and all these 
all these stupid words that that are made up to slur people that disagree with you. But anything you you get that and apply it to Trump, you you apply it to Bloomberg. So if you've now made Bloomberg your nominee, you basically have your own little Trump, right? It's the same thing. Now, I personally don't really think that Trump is racist or any of that, but that's my personal opinion. I do think he has said some questionable stuff, but name someone that hasn't. Um, but Bloomberg, I mean, he was a huge advocate for stop and frisk, um, which is inherently racist in every single way. Um, I'm very firmly against uh, stop and frisk. I think it's a violation of constitutional rights. I think that you shouldn't be able to stare at someone and based off your intuition, go over there and, you know, search them down. And sure, there's protocols for stop and frisk, but I don't care. I don't think anyone cares. I don't think, you know, anyone wants to go about their day and be harassed because, you know, let's just be honest here, because you're black or you're Hispanic, you know? And I think that that's one of the biggest problems with stop and frisk is it's inherently racist. So Mike Bloomberg is a big advocate for that. Um, and at the end of the day, is that what the Democratic Party has become now? Is it about beating Trump at any cost? Because what it's going to cost is the heart and soul of the Democratic Party. Bernie Sanders, no matter what you say about the guy, is honest. He really believes in what he says. And I know that in 15 years, if he's alive, I don't know he's making much longer. That guy's hair is just completely out. Looks like he looks like he got electrocuted. Um, if he's still alive, he will still believe the same thing. The man marched with MLK. You know, I'll give Bernie that. He stands by his progressive values. But at the same time, he can't win. A socialist cannot win an election. Not in the U.S. Who, you have the, young, the youth vote, right? The, the idiots who are in college and, you know, living in L.A. with 18 other people that all smell like, you know, homeless garbage and, and, and cat litter. But is that really America? You know? You don't go into areas and be like, oh, this is the, the boomer area like you do for hipster areas, right? L.A. In, in particular, if you're not familiar with L.A., it has a whole district that everyone knows, you know, is where hipsters are. The The restaurants are hipsterish. Um, there's art everywhere. And some of the art's cool. And hipsters, they don't have the worst ideas, right? But these hipsters are, are, are the, the primary style of voter for Bernie. Now, let me... You know, I don't want you to think that it's only hipsters supporting Bernie, because it's not, right? You have a lot of guys who really believe in progressivism that think that we need to have a higher tax rate, that we need to take from the wealthy because they're too rich. Now, personally, you know, if I were to one day become a multi-billionaire, you're damn right. I don't want to give a single dollar um, taken from me by the government. Will I donate to charity? Absolutely. Because there are charities that, that I personally believe in who I, I donate to now, um, you know. But why should the government decide what I do with my money? I'm not for it. Um, and, and that's what most right-wingers are about. They're just anti-government. It's that simple. So, obviously, being anti-government, you would think, like, hey, we wholeheartedly oppose Bernie um, because he's trying to expand the government, so on and so forth, and, and we do. But personally, I, I am rooting for him in the Democratic primary, A, because I know Trump will beat him. But B, I think he's earned it. I think that he uh, was screwed over in the last election. Anyone that 
followed the last election should know that. Um, he was screwed over extremely hard. Uh, the DNC went out of their way to go after him and just destroy him and help push Hillary ahead. Um, they changed the rules, of course, with the superdelegates in order to appease the Bernie supporters. And now they're trying to figure out ways to change the rules again. So I see a repeat coming, personally. But we have to see. Because, I mean, you still have other candidates out there. You have Pete Buttigieg. You have Amy Klobuchar, um, who are both, you know, eh. They're eh, you know. Pete is a mayor of a small town. Whoop-de-doo. Honestly, Amy Klobuchar is probably the best bet to be Trump. Um, She's very, very well-spoken. She has a good, uh, solid policy plan. She's a moderate. Um, She's a woman. But she's a well-spoken woman. She's not cringy like Hillary Clinton's. Um, She would honestly probably beat Trump. But, once again, she's not going to get elected because the NCs, that's not her, their their choice. Their choice is Joe Biden, who has gone down in a pile of flames. Uh, Ripped Joe Biden's entire campaign. I don't even see him in polls anymore. Um, I think he's he's polling at like 8%, which is crazy when, you know, about four months ago, he was at 40% and you're just like, this guy's going to easily be a nominee, myself included. I thought it'd be Biden. The only exception to that at the time that I said was when I heard Mike Bloomberg was considering running. I was like, hey, if Bloomberg runs, that guy's dangerous. He could come into the election and make waves, which as as we can see, he has. So one thing that's very interesting to me is the way that Elizabeth Warren has been ghosted. Just ghosted. Where is she? I don't see ads for her. I don't see anything on the news about her. I don't see anything on Facebook, nothing on Twitter, nothing on Instagram, nothing. It's like she doesn't exist. And I think to myself, what happened to her? Where's where's Pocahontas? Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, Elizabeth Warren became very, very infamous um, for essentially lying about being a Native American. Now, if you are a Native American, you should be offended because she lied, right? Appropriated Native American culture in order to advance herself to get a better job where she was a law professor at Harvard. Now, that was wrong of her. But unfortunately, because she's a Democrat, right? They don't call her out on it. The only people they call her out was right wingers who don't like her as it is. For those of you who don't know her policies, she's very much in the Bernie Sanders camp. Um, you know, something's very interesting that's been happening over the past eight years is that the, the Democratic Party has essentially divided. You got your your moderate, typical Democrats on the right side, literally on the right side of the political spectrum too, and you have progressives who are on the far left, who are looking to socialize things and to radicalize uh, the government, uh, expand power of the government, you know, and take away state rights um you know they want to stomp all over the constitution um they want to take guns now democrats want to take guns too don't get me wrong but not the same rate the progressives do and that scares me and it should scare you too every country around the world that has been turned into a socialist communist hellhole the very first thing that happened was their firearms were taken the very first thing. And that, to me, is frightening. I have a lot of friends, man, who are like, hey, 
the day that they come for the firearms is the day a civil war will erupt and i 100 percent agree i don't know about here in california the, the 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 population is not as wild here um in terms of like veterans and stuff you know or, or California, as, as, I, as I call it. Um, but you got places like Texas and Virginia. And like, like, let's just theorize something here. What if Mike Bloomberg is elected? And if you don't know, Mike Bloomberg is very anti-gun. He's probably the most anti-gun candidate that's running. And let's say he's like, hey, we're going to enact a federal ban on all assault rifles all shotguns and we're going to limit magazines that are in pistols to six rounds or less and revolvers to five bullets or less what what happens then first of all who enforces that right do we see a virginia thing where the local sheriffs created sanctuary counties for gun owners or do law enforcement start taking guns which ends up in shootouts, right? There's this thing called the Boogaloo. The Boogaloo is this uh, this social movement, a social idea, I should say, that's shared on by like veterans and 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 anti-government guys and, and gun groups. It's this idea that one day the ATF or the local law enforcement will come and attempt to seize your firearm. And the first shots will be fired and it will initiate a chain reaction across the entire United States called the Boogaloo, where these people will rise up and fight the government and we'll see essentially a new civil war. That's really what it is. Now, do I think that's what's going to happen anytime soon? I don't know. I could see it happening. We got very close to it. If you follow Virginia... They were trying to pass gun laws where they would red flag, I'm sorry, yeah, red flag laws where they would just seize firearms whenever they wanted. You know, politicians need to understand that they're elected for the people, not for the personal ideas. And that's the biggest problem. When When they get into this power of a political office, they don't think, hey, what do my constituents want? It's, no, hey, how can I spread the ideals of myself and my party? If you were in, say, Riverside, California. Okay. Riverside, California has a lot of Democrats in it. Has a few Republicans. But the Democrats here are not very radical. Okay. They're they're very much moderate left. But if you want to pass legislation that's completely far left, right? That's not what your people want. You're here for the people. Not for your own personal agenda. And that's one of the biggest problems today with politics. So it's very important that we stay on top of your local politicians and you call them out. Trolling them on Twitter, man, is is probably not the way to do it, but I've seen it get to people. The best way to do it is to, is to show up. Most people don't know. You can just walk up to your political, your local politician's office, make an appointment. They have to see you. You're your constituent. If they don't, you can file an ethics complaint. So my constituent, my, my main guy is, is Mark Ticano. I'm not a fan. Um, very big anti-Trumper. Um, he leans very heavily on his veteran status, which is... Uh, no one cares, if I'm going to be honest with you. 
non-combat, non, you know, never deployed. Um, if I'm, if I, if I'm correct, he was Air Force. I mean, I'm sorry, man. Veterans just don't care. So he leans on his veteran card a lot, and then he leans on him the fact that he's gay, and he's Asian, right? So he's kind of got these three little, you know, he's got the minority thing going on, the sexuality thing going on, the veteran thing going on. That has essentially made him, you know, pretty hard to attack. Um, but that has to stop me from from emailing the guy. And he's actually responding once. And he tried to send me his policies and stuff. I just, I, I don't care. Because you're wrong. He's wrong. It's just that simple, right? This is speak right, right? We speak not only correctly in terms of what we're talking about, but we speak on the right side of the political line. Everything I'm coming from is from a, a right side of the view. And it's very important that we stick to that. I'm very big on sticking to my guns in, in terms of, of political arguments. And I think that you should be able to change your mind and, and have your mind swayed a bit. That's fine. But if you are truly stoic in your views on politics, it's because you've done your research. It's because you've proven your point. I've debated leftists all the time. And they all tell me the same thing, you know, oh, you're racist and this and that. And I'm like, well, no, I'm not, but let's just have a conversation. And very rarely do I find a leftist who did the research. So they'll throw the like, normal, you know, little lines at me like guns kill people. I'm like, yeah, no shit, Sherlock. Um, you know, and, and guns are only for this or or healthcare is this. And, and you know, my favorite ones like like healthcare is a right. Like, no, it's not. It's not right. Okay. There's no way it guarantees you healthcare. Um, it shouldn't be either. It's a privilege. It's just like driving. Um, would it be nice if everyone had healthcare? Sure. Um, but unfortunately, we don't live in that kind of country. You know, we see the left, and especially Bernie Sanders supporters, will bring up the Nordic model of Denmark and Sweden and Switzerland as an example of us to follow. But what people don't understand is that the United States is a unique country. You can't compare the U.S. to any other country in the world because it's so different. Every First of all, we're basically 50 small, small countries, right? And every single little state has its different demographic, different culture, different work ethic, right? Different religions. It would be different if, say, the entire United States was black Catholics, or the entire United States was Mexican Muslims, right? Because you have one homogeneous population, but you don't. You have a heterogeneous population in every single facet of the world. In Denmark, they're like 99% white. They're 99% Christian. They all go to the same goddamn church on the corner where they all hang out and talk about skiing in the slopes or where the, where the hell they do over there for fun. I don't know. So sure, they all pay 30% tax rates. But, but but guess what? They all do their part. That's the thing. They all do their part because they're all one, one, one person. Do they have their outliers there? Of course they do like any other culture. But not the same rate as us. If you had, you know, Denmark be 25% black, 25% Asian, 25% Mexican, 25% white. And you have, you know, 20% Christian, 30% Catholic, 20% Muslim, 10% Buddhist, 10% atheist. I think it's like 100 right there. That changes that country. It's no longer the same. 
because you have different cultures, different demographics. And that's the point that, that people don't understand about America is that we are that country that is so different that traditional models that work elsewhere will not work here. That's an all-white, all-Christian country that all have the same values, the same culture, the same work ethic. And, and they don't have like these, you know, crazy, you know, they don't have this crazy complex economy either. It's very simple. Meanwhile, we're the, the well, I think we're number two, you know, behind China. Largest, the second largest trading, you know, con- conglomerate in the world. So how will you ever compare us to a country like Denmark in the Nordic model? It just wouldn't work. Am I for some sort of healthcare? Sure. But I shouldn't be forced into it, and I sure as hell should not pay for it. I don't want to pay for the people's healthcare. I don't. I've, I shouldn't need to. I have my own healthcare. Right? When you get a job, you have the option to pay for healthcare. Is it too expensive? Yes. It is too expensive. But the reason why is, once again, what I talked about at the beginning of the show is, is, is crony capitalism. It's the crony human nature of the healthcare industry. It's not the hospitals. It's not the doctors. It's not the nurses. It's above them. It's the insurance companies. It's the people who supply medical devices and medical supplies. You're telling me an alcohol swab is 20 bucks? Are you out of your mind? I took this class years ago about spine technology um it's like where you put screws in and you put plates in and, and that kind of stuff where like like for thoracic repairs and they were telling us that these little screws were like five thousand dollars a screw five thousand dollars a screw so they use eight screws right four on each side so we're already with five thousand we're sitting at 40k just for that. And that's not even counting the plate they put in there or the the sea sponge. It's like a metal a metal sponge that's shaped like a sea that goes in between the, the thoracic spaces in your spine. And that right there is like twenty or $30,000. So you're, you're sitting at like $70,000 for those these medical devices. There is no way you're telling me that these damn screws are $5,000. What it is is those companies have the licenses to create this technology, right? So there's a premium on it, so they can charge what they want. And all these little companies, like uh, a few of them is like Johnson & Johnson, uh, Stryker, Innovasive, they agree that they're gonna pretty much charge the same ballpark. Some will low cut the others, but the other ones offer a premium. It's like a bigger company versus a smaller company, but they pretty much have a, a, a you know, a, a complete stranglehold on it. And they use these, you know, very persuasive salesmen to go in there and convince them to use their products. That's what's driving cost up in this country. That and insurance companies who will then bill for useless stuff. Do hospitals overbill? Of course they do. They have to. Right? Because they pay doctors good-ass money. There's a reason why that doctor's driving a Maserati. Because he gets paid well. But how's the hospital supposed to pay him if they don't bill somehow? So that, that's the whole thing with Norik, and I just went on a tangent. This is how I am, unfortunately, um, with healthcare. But it's just something to think about. When you start thinking about how to fix this country and the issues are, are, are wrong with it, identify what the issues are and what the real source is. You know? 
don't look at just hey nordic socialism is working let's apply it here why is it working in that country how is that country different from our country what's the main issues we have here in this country how can we solve that so that's my political little political spiel i I don't want to just talk politics on this podcast because I think it's very important to realize that there's a culture war in this country between people who are trying to change who we are as a nation and not for the better. And there's just so much virtue signaling that it's rotting this country from the inside out and it disgusts me and it should disgust you. So, Very recently, a basketball player who I actually was a fan of, uh, Dwayne Wade, he's played for Miami Heat. Um, You know, he got very famous uh, when he won the NCAA uh, championship back when he was in college. And he came out, played LeBron, won some championships there with LeBron and with Shaq uh, a couple years back. He recently announced that his son was a transgender. Um, that they no longer were referring to his son's name as his name. I don't remember what it was at this time, but instead as Zaya. Now, this son, who is now a transgender girl, I suppose, uh, is 12 years old. 12. Most 12 year olds don't even know if they want to play sports or not. Most 12 year olds, right? are worried about what video game they're going to play. This 12-year-old wasn't thinking about gender until it was introduced to him. That child was confused by the parents. Specifically, Gabrielle Union. Gabrielle Union, if you don't know, is very big into social justice. She's very politically correct. She's very much about, you know, showing that she is tolerant and progressive. And she has taken that and rotted this son's future. They took they took her the or him or her, I, however you want to, uh, you know, refer to to this child to pride. I think they took him to the drag queen story hour, uh, which is something I want to talk about right after this. You know, they don't know this this child does not know what they want to do if you're telling me that this child can make the decision to change their sex which is biologically impossible you can snip off whatever you want down there but guess what your chromosomes are still xx xy okay you're still male or female biologically it just doesn't matter what you do okay one day one day when they have the technology to change all that I will agree with you. You can change your gender. Okay. Until then, you're a girl or you're a boy. So, if you can decide as a 12-year-old that you're a girl or boy, is it unreasonable to say that you can decide as a child to have sex with an adult? Because if they have the ability to choose between the two, then why not? If they're so self-conscious that they can decide that they're a man or, or, or woman, then they should be able to have sex with an adult. 
that's the dangerous hill that we find ourselves on right now and it scares me because there is a movement for pedophilia there is there's a movement for pedophilia there's a movement to recognize pedophilia as a sexual orientation right the lgbtq people or the alphabet people are pushing for that it's disgusting are you serious if you are sexually attracted to a child you are sick and personally i you should probably be executed but in the federal system that we live in you go to jail and probably counseling you get yours in jail though so i guess it kind of all comes around the point i'm getting at here is that our culture is, is under attack your your children are being exposed to this the hypersexualization of children today is disgusting now the best example that i can possibly give you is drag queen story hour so drag queen story hour came out of can you guess san francisco of course of course it was san francisco and it was an idea to introduce drag queens to children at public libraries and have them read books and i'm not i'm not opposed to to introducing different cultures to children but a drag queen why and this is what really bothers me as a child i was never like oh well i just wish i could go see a drag queen read me a book never are you kidding me yeah you're fucking mine these kids are not asking for that i watched the video and and, and you know uh, I recommend going on YouTube and looking it up. It's like a four-minute uh, news documentary. I think it's from Amer- from from uh, is it MS? I think it's MSNBC. Um, oh no, it's PBS. It's PBS. And the parents are on there saying, "I love drag, and now I get to introduce my children to drag, and I think it's great." And then another parent was like, "Oh, you know, it just you know, it's gonna help our child be so tolerant. It's gonna have our child be so accepting." Another child's like, well, you know, if our child's, you know, feeling some type of way about themselves, this is a great exposure. And all I all I got out of that was you're gonna use your child and their mental health to virtue signal that you are a better person than everyone else. Because that's what it's about. Let's just be honest here. That's what it's about. It's about virtue signaling to everybody else. And I'm not trying to be, like, angry against drag queens, but you can see videos very clearly of these of these guys twerking and teaching the kids how to twerk. They're kids. They're, like, 6 to 10 years old. Are you, like, what? Uh, one of the guys got arrested for being a sexual predator. Another guy wasn't wearing underwear, so his schlong fell out. It's disgusting. I'm sorry. It's disgusting. Now the main point that the left will make about this is hey you know if this child is feeling confused this is going to help them recognize who they are as a person okay well let's go with that logic for a second here gays make up less than two percent of the population of america okay um so let's say let's just i'm going to boost their numbers a bit right let's say like five percent so if you took 50 kids in the room Right, five percent of fifty, which is like two and a half, three kids. 
and you help those two and a half, three kids, okay, sure. But the problem now is that you've exposed 50 kids to this rhetoric. You've now confused a, let's say you confused four to five kids, right? You've now inflated those numbers up to eight, right? Say, let's push it up to 10, right? We're looking at, what, 20% now. You're needlessly exposing kids to something they don't need to be exposed to, and you're going to cause them mental anguish. People can develop mental disorders, and that's what happens. I'm not for this, like, transgender movement. I disagree with it. You know, it's a mental illness. It always has been. It's called gender dysmorphia. It's a real thing. If, if you have... Let me ask you this. If you have an uncle who always talks to his toaster because he has um, schizophrenia, you don't encourage him to talk to his toaster. You help him get meds. You help him seek help so he gets better. But what has happened now is they have glorified it. Where now it's something cool. All right, Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, whatever you want to call him, is a multi-millionaire who is able to glam himself up and make himself look all good with all these surgeries. Right? That's not the average person going through Jenner dysmorphia. He's not. It's a mental illness that unfortunately is is, is affecting America quite harshly. And it's unfortunate. But then you get parents such as, you know, Dwayne Wade's parents and all these parents that take it to, you know, drag queen story hour who are pushing this mental illness to get worse. It's spreading like a plague. And it makes me so sad. Now, this drag queen story hour so far has only been at public libraries where it's sponsored and it's hosted. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's not schools yet. But what, what would you do? Let me ask you that. That's how I'm going to I'm going to end this podcast today. What would you do if your kid came home and told you that there was dra- a drag queen who was twerking at their school reading to them? How, how would that make you feel? So this is only my first podcast. I'm going to try to do weekly, if not twice weekly. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on that I don't feel like is being covered ad- adequately. Um, I really want to talk about all this stuff with you. Um, I, a lot of people, I think, will benefit greatly from this. Um, so if you are listening, I do appreciate the support. Um, I will be releasing much more content. Um, like I said, very, very soon. I'll look for two to three times weekly. Actually, is uh, three times would be preferable, but <laughs> we're all busy. You never know. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for tuning in with Speak Right. I'll catch you next time.